Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Today we're talking to a woman in Washington State who was diagnosed with stage 3 anal canal cancer. She doesn't want us to use her real name, so we'll just call her Betty. Betty, it's good to talk to you and uh, great of you to tell us your story. Thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. Betty, tell us how you were first diagnosed and when you were first diagnosed with uh, stage 3 anal canal cancer. It was January 17th of 2014, and I had, the previous year, in uh, 13, I had met with a gynecologist about having a hysterectomy, and I had a miserable hemorrhoid, and I asked her if she could take it off at the same time. She said, no, has to be separate, so I went in. The first week in January, had an outpatient surgery to remove the hemorrhoid, came back on January 17th, and lo and behold, the doctor said, well, that wasn't a hemorrhoid, it was cancer. And, of course, my brain exploded because I was already the one who was the vegetarian. I was the one drinking juice, meditating, exercise. I was doing everything right, so... How did I end up with that? Uh, it was HPV cancer. HPV cancer. That's human papilloma yes. virus. virus. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. That must have been uh, quite a, an emotional time for you to being diagnosed with anal canal cancer when you were doing so many things that, to improve your health. Exactly. And I had known I was HPV positive for about eight years. And at that time, I had asked, when I went in for my regular pap smear, I had asked if the doctor could do something about this hemorrhoid eight years prior to my diagnosis. And when they found out I was interested more in natural medicine than I was in medical medicine (laughs) or standard care, um, she stopped talking to me and told me to drink more water and eat more fiber. Shut me right down. So I didn't ask anybody about it for a number of years until 2013, and this all came about. But I do remember I was probably 20 years old, and I know I had um, vaginal warts, which is part of HPV. And I'm pretty sure that was what, what stayed triggered with it. me all these years. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Brought it, brought it on. You know, I think it's really important, Betty, for listeners to know that um, anal cancer, first of all, is really on the rise and being diagnosed in uh, many women and men, but women particularly in their fifties, uh, and that it's often misdiagnosed and the. Um, a person who has cancer is actually told that they have hemorrhoids. Um, certainly that was the case with myself 
And I've heard of a number of other cases like that. So be diligent if you're listening and you think that all you've got is hemorrhoids because it might not be the case. Exactly. Exactly. And I, it was a, a week, exactly a week before my 64th birthday. Mm. And it was, and um, I was told it's the fastest growing cancer in women my age right now. Corey and Betty, do we know why there is such an increase in anal canal cancer? Well, um, I would say, gosh, I would say out of probably, I've probably been contacted by, I don't know, 60, 70 people who've had anal, anal cancer. Mm-hmm. And I would say that uh, all, maybe all of them, but one, uh, had the HPV virus, and I think it lies dormant, and then it just morphs into cancer. Oh, uh, okay. You, you know, I mean, I was in the same boat as uh, Betty when I was 19, and had um, what they called venereal warts, which was caused by the HPV virus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd go in and get them burnt off, and they kept coming back, kept coming up, kept coming back. And in my case, but finally I said to the doctor, you know, if you can't get rid of these, send me to someone who can. And... Um, it, Went into. They actually took me into the operating room to take them off, and then the doctor said, "You know, this has got to be some kind of mistake because it's showing that you actually have CA of the vulva." And that's how my cancer first started way back in the day when I was, you know, in my twenties, early twenties. Then finally morphed into full blown anal cancer uh, in two thousand eleven. Betty, what did the doctors tell you about uh, treatment for your anal canal cancer? <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> the first thing the doctor said to me, and he looked me right in the eye because he could see I was confused and I had no, I was so blown away. And the next words out of his mouth were, think Farrah Fawcett. And I was, my head was just going crazy, and I'm going, well, wait a minute. Why would I think of her? She's dead. Uh, <laughs> no, maybe she's not. Yeah, she is dead. Okay. So I looked at him, and I said, what? And he said, well, she went and did one of the some of that wacko natural stuff, and it killed her. You have to do chemo and radiation. That's all you can do, or you're going to be dead in three to six months. And I just looked at him and I said, I can't make that decision today. I have to talk to my husband and my naturopath. And he said, there is nothing else you can do. You have to do chemo and radiation. So I left there actually running out of the office. And he was yelling at me behind me saying, just sign up with the girls right here. They'll take care of everything. He's still pursuing me to the door. I just knew that I didn't have to do that. I knew I had choices. I just had to quiet myself, calm down, and talk to my husband and my naturopath. And that's what I did in that order. And I was on my road to health the very next day. It was a Friday. Your doctor chasing you down. At- yeah, your doctor chasing you yeah. down the hallway. He saw dollar signs, didn't he? <laughs> Exactly. And I have to tell you, too, that I live probably 15 minutes from the doctor's office. And by the time I had driven across town, when I got home, there was I had five phone calls. The gynecologist had called the uh, radiology oncology, chemotherapy oncology, surgical oncology, and the gynecologist again had all called me within 15 minutes to come and sign up for 
chemo and radiation. Because we so want you your business. (laughs) Exactly. And it even went so far as two weeks after my diagnosis, I received a registered letter from my local clinic telling me I had to come in and take chemo and radiation. That's disgusting. Yeah. Is it, well, it even got better when I called the gynecologist because they were calling me every day. And so I finally said, you know, would you please stop calling me? I've made decisions other than you. And I didn't say anything about natural or alternative. I said nothing like that. I just said I had made other choices and decisions with my cancer. And the nurse wouldn't accept my explanation and I finally just said please stop calling me goodbye and she her final words were well good luck (laughs) Betty did you ever feel um pressured and intimidated when you were getting all these calls and that possibly you weren't doing the right thing by not having chemo or radiation oh absolutely every one of the calls was either started or ended with, well, you know, you're going to die if you don't. And I, they, you know, I just laughed. And they were serious, but that's what they've been led to believe. And I have, luckily, I've been seeing my naturopath for 30 years. I have two children that have never had an antibiotic until one of them had their appendix out. So they had an antibiotic in the hospital. My kids were raised without antibiotics. So I know the power of alternative medicine. And your kids are healthy. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. They're grown adults and they have healthy weights. They have, uh, they don't get colds and flus like all the other people that they live with in their houses or homes. They're, they rent, so they have a lot of roommates. But, yeah, they're really healthy kids. So, Betty, tell us the, you're being plagued by the conventional medical system <laughs> to uh, do chemo, radiation, and everything else they want to do. You decide not to do it. What did you do next? Well, like I say, I called my naturopath that day, and he said, read the diagnosis to me. So I read it to him, and I'm sorry I didn't keep a copy. I can... I have access to it, though. And he said, uh, that doesn't make any sense. So the next day when I went with my husband, we went to the naturopath, still just reeling and scared to death. And he said, he called the um, the pathologist and wanted to an explanation a, of what they had written. And he I was diagnosed as stage three, but they downgraded it after he asked some questions and whatnot. So I'm not sure if it went to a two or just a three A or whatever it was. But I know that my naturopath helped me realize that what they say on paper isn't necessarily the whole story. Mm-hmm. And he calmed me down that way. I, I became a little bit more receptive to hearing um, hope because the medical doctors were giving me absolutely no hope whatsoever. Uh, my naturopath did tell me, though, that he had only seen women with cervical HPV cancer. I was his first 
anal HPV cancer, and the very next week, a woman my age came in, but she had decided to do the chemo and radiation first, and it had detrimental effects, is all I can say. But uh, I went to my naturopath, and he explained to me that cancer is a breakdown of my immune system. And he took some blood work, and sure enough, my immune system was way down. And that's why I still, to this day, tell people that my naturopath, and this is all I can say that my naturopath did, was he boosted my immune system. And that's, I can't say anything else about naturopaths and cancer, except... The insurance company wouldn't pay for any of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we paid everything out of our pocket. But I sat down that day, and every week for a year, I went to him twice a week, and I it looked like a chemo bag, to be honest with you. I sat in a room with other people with a needle in my arm dripping what was in this bag, and it was vitamin C, uh, B-complex, echinacea, golden seal, and I'm not sure of all the other ingredients, but I did this giant bag every two weeks. I mean, every week. I did it twice a week for a year, and I still to this day do one bag a month just to boost because my immune system is just not where it I would like it to be. <laughs> so he put you on high doses of vitamin C, 20,000 milligrams, I think uh, you stated. Yes. Yeah, 20,000 milligrams of vitamin C, turmeric, B-complex, and other nutritional uh, ingredients. Uh, did you notice any difference in how you felt during this treatment? Yes. Because I also was taking other supplements. I counted them. I took five supplements that he recommended. And I can give you that list if you're interested. Uh, but I took those at home. And, and then I changed even. I honed my eating down even more. I went totally raw. I had absolutely no sugar, not even fruit, because he, my naturopath claims that fruit lights up, the sugar in fruit lights up cancer cells just like sugar, sugar. So I stayed away. I didn't eat a banana for 18 months, but I did green juices twice a day, 16 ounces twice a day that I made. And that, I think, is what made me feel different. The doing the bag made me feel good just because I knew I was doing something good for myself. But outside of the doctor's office, I would do the green juice, and that made me feel the best mentally because I knew what was going into it. I knew I was working on myself, and I did a lot of uh, creative visualization as well, that I'd drink the juice and it would go down and it would go right to where my tumor was and it would blow it away. And then it was surging through my uh, system and it was cleaning up whatever else was there and it was making my blood stronger. I just thought of things like that. But I know that when I was in the active, the nine months of actively um, fending off the cancer, I had 
obviously I had emotional days that were really low and down. But on the other hand, if I did something like meditate or Tai Chi or the green juice, I would lift myself. So that's where I got my good feelings. That's wonderful yeah, to hear. It wasn't just one thing. Yeah, it was a combination of various nutritional uh, and, and, I guess, spiritual, not in the religious sense, but spiritual and right. positive. Yeah. Now, right. when did you discover cannabis oil? It was probably about February or March because, you know, I discovered the, the Internet could be my best friend or it could be my worst enemy because I was finding people that, had done the conventional treatment, the chemo and radiation. And I don't know if you know, I know Corey knows, but where the way that they treat you for this type of cancer is barbaric. If you can imagine burning your anus, that, you know, they radiate that area. And I had, I found women that considered themselves survivors. And they had uh, osteoporosis of the hip, spine, and pubic bone. And their anus and their vaginas had scarred shut from the the radiation burns. And they had that surgically uh, repaired. And I just thought, there's no way, you know, that that should even be allowed. And farther in, I thought, you know, I I know there's somebody out there that is thriving they aren't just surviving, they're thriving. And to be honest, I don't know how I found Corey. I just did. And lo and behold, she's just up the road from me, about 150 miles. And she gave me what I needed. She gave me hope. She made me laugh. Um, she made it sound not so complicated. You know, she'll, she held my hand and talked me off the ledge more than once because when I first experimented with the oil, I got suicidal. I was terrified. I was suicidal. And I talked to Corey, and she taught me a different way to take it. It was probably three months in. It was probably about March, April in there when I really got serious about the cannabis. And I took it, and, and I still, to this day, I do maintenance. I took it the way I was told to take it. I, I looked for the best product, and I lived someplace where I can buy it, which is a good thing. And I, I took it exactly the way she told me to take it. And in November of that year, the first year of, of 14, I was told I could have that hysterectomy done, and the gynecologist, a different gynecologist, said, prove to me you don't have cancer. So I had an MRI, and she called me the next day. So I took that to mean that I was cancer-free, and I have not stopped the cannabis since. I do maintenance doses now. Did you go back to your oncologist and thumb your nose? <laughs> I told you so. <laughs> I would love to do that, but you know they're going to charge me for an office call. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I would rather not. <laughs> you know, Betty, that damn natural stuff is not going to work for you. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> 
so how, when you were taking the, the cannabis oil, as you indicated, uh, did you start with just the, the half a grain of rice? I did, and I started it uh, orally, and it it was about three weeks that I got very weepy and I was I was scared and I was depressed and I wasn't it wasn't what I had was used to for depression of cancer depression I was it was just different and I didn't like it at all and I come from a drug and alcohol background so I know and I I think some of it was guilt in that I was uh I felt not right that because I was supposed to be sober, and I it made me uncomfortable, and I think that had the the most to do with it. But then Corey taught me that we call it the backdoor method, mm-hmm. and it doesn't get me stoned, doesn't get me high. Sometimes if I'm having a a really bad night or day, not physically, but just emotionally, I will take it orally to go to bed. But I don't take it for fun. I don't take it for the effect, except for the health effect, obviously. And I take it at night before I go to bed, and I feel that my um, sobriety is still intact because there are so many other drugs that other people use out there, and I think mine is the most non-noxious, I guess is the word (laughs) I want to use. So I've handled it that way. I've come around to accepting. My son said it so well. He says, Mom, every drug has a side effect. It's just that your prescription has a more fun side effect. Just relax and enjoy it. <laughs> Good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's a great way of putting it, isn't it? Yeah. So when you were taking the the cannabis oil and uh you were you were struggling with it initially, when did you notice that hey, this is working. I feel better. Oh, it was mm, probably after I had that MRI in November. Okay. Yeah, when I had physical proof that I didn't have any cells that were lighting up. <laughs> so as mm-hmm. they, that's what my naturopath calls it. it you excite them. Um, I think that was when I knew I was on the right track. Because I, I know I, I sent you a list of everything that I was doing, and I was sitting here looking at it, and I had to add a couple of things because I sit with a rice machine as well. And I don't know, that's a whole nother topic, but I know that when I talk to medical people, because I have friends that are in the medical field, Mm -hmm. they just look at me like I have a horn growing out of my forehead. (laughs) But, yeah, and they tell me, well, if you do, you know, a rice machine and oil, it's going to counteract each other. Turmeric and and cannabis are going to counteract each other. But nobody can give me written reports and written anything on this except for the fact that um, there's a whole bunch of us writing online that it works. Yeah, the Rife machine sends fr- sends uh, low frequencies into your body and actually kills uh, 
the, the the bacteria and the pathogens in your system. Exactly. And Reif invented that, I believe it was in the 30s, and uh, he ended up, the, the American Medical Association, uh, let me see if I can get this right, the head of the American Medical Association wanted to go into business with him, he said no, so they condemned him, and uh, I think he was a pauper. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he was, and I was looking at the stuff that you did. You do infrared sauna, which is fantastic, color therapy, frankincense oil, green juices, 16 ounces twice a day, SEAC tea, rebounding. Uh, you read Bernie Siegel's of Love, Medicine, and Miracles. Uh, meditate. You perform Tai Chi three times a week. Uh, you don't eat sugar, not even fruit. Uh, you quit your job to cut your stress. Chakra balancing, reflexology, massage, and Reiki. And uh, you watch funny movies and tree hugging, and the tree <laughs> the tree hugging is for the negative ions, which are actually in a forest. That's why when people walk through a forest, they they feel better. Exactly. You must be incredibly healthy, Nub. <laughs> well, you know, I I still like I say I still go and have a bag once a month, and every. He wants me to do it every three or four months, have a blood test, and I've been stretching it out. But my immune system still lags, and I so I, I still do probably 85% of what is on this list. Mm-hmm. I still do it just to stay healthy because, you know, we don't know anything about this cancer. I don't certainly don't know anything about it, and... I don't know if I want to, because then I go looking for trouble. <laughs> it's one thing about the, the medical profession. When uh, when Corey was telling her story, when we did started uh, this podcast, she was in episode one, and she talks about the doctor saying that it would close your, your orifices, but that's okay, we can take you upstairs. And, uh, that's all right, we'll just take you upstairs and dilate you. And I remember thinking, I don't freaking think so. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, the whole thing to me, just listening to it, is pretty bloody barbaric. I, I'm amazed, though, at people. I ran into a woman with the same cancer, and she was carrying a shoulder bag. And the woman, it, it's chemo. She carries it for 16 hours a day. And the other eight hours of the day, she has a tube that she carries in the, the ba- a different bag she carries with her for food. She has a permanent colostomy, can't even discuss anything alternative because she is totally, has all her um, confidence in the doctors. And, you know, I can't say anything because I don't want her to feel bad, but... She can't see. She's dying. They're killing her. <laughs> did she ask what you did for your uh, your uh, anal canal cancer? It it started out. It was kind of interesting. I was I was working a receptionist job, and she came in, and when she signed in, she had it was summer, so she had a low cut shirt on, and I saw the port, and I, it had the today's that day's date on it. And I said, "Oh, is that new?" You know, and. She goes, oh, no, I've had that. It's just a blah, blah, blah. And so she was went in and was talking to somebody, and 
everything in my body was screaming, you have to talk to that woman. You have to talk to that woman. So I looked and she was crying. So I just took a box of Kleenex, set it down and walked away. And when she came back, she handed me the box and I said, you know, I think you and I need to be friends because you need to talk about um, being healthy. And she, or I said wellness. And she looked at me and I said, doesn't everybody want to talk about sickness with you? And she said, yeah. So that was the, the, the icebreaker. And she said, nobody has my cancer. It is the most bizarre cancer. She said, you would never understand. And I said, try me. And she said, I have anal cancer. And I said, well. <laughs> and then I asked her, I said, would you like to hear how I got well? And she said, yes. But I couldn't go on because she knew she was too far into it. So yeah, she, she said, I, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, so. Yeah, she bought into the system, and I think she probably realized deep down that maybe she made a mistake and was a little embarrassed to, to proceed any further. But you know what? I don't know if it's so, so much embarrassment as um, I know that I would be very fearful and afraid that I wasn't going to make it if I was in that situation and I saw somebody like me. I mean, you know, I am healthy and I look healthy. I don't look like I'm I'm going to be 67 next month and people can't believe it. And I still work and, you know, absolutely no medications go through my lips. And uh, she, but the, the fear factor is what gets people. Mm-hmm. You know, I we talked about that in the beginning, and this woman had put, had so much fear placed in her that she was convinced there was no place else to go. Yeah, that's and true. I don't. That's I have to get the word out. <laughs> we yeah. have to get the word out. <laughs> well, doctors take a course. You know, it's one of the first courses they take: how to scare the shit out of your patient. Yeah. <laughs> 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 exactly. I I don't know if I ever told you this story, Corey, but I went to the the specialist for anal issues on the West Coast, right. and she she said to me, she says, "Oh, I see Farrah Fawcett is mentioned in your file." I'm going, "What? <laughs> what the heck?" Seriously? So my husband, yeah, my husband was with me, and. And we looked at each other, and the, the doctor said, she said, can I share a story about Farrah Fawcett and my best friend? And I said, sure. You know, I didn't want to hear it, but I said yes. So she proceeds to tell me that Farrah Fawcett and her best friend, Gloria, were roommates in college. And her best friend was dating Chuck, and Farrah took Chuck away from her both Farrah Fawcett and the roommate got anal cancer, HPV anal cancer, and Ooh. Farrah went and did that wacko natural stuff, and she died. My friend did the chemo and radiation and lived. It's brutal, but just suck it up and do it. That was what the doctor told me. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> nonsense. Betty, it was, uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you're a wonderful woman, and... Uh, you're healthy, and that's the main thing. It is great. I appreciate your your time, and uh, I appreciate you telling your story. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. I, like I said, I, I have to get the word out. 
Betty, you were awesome. Um, I really appreciate you being candid and, uh, you know, opening up to people and just walking them through what, I, what it was like for you. Anytime. That's it. Another edition of Cannabis Health Radio will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on Podcon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at The Talking Hedge podcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.